Welcome to Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Thank you very much for joining us for our continued journey to become better, braver, happier painters. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Dan. And we're back. Wow, man, that was really weird having over a month off. Yeah, you know, I don't, uh, didn't feel like a month, but then at the same time, it feels like a long month. <laughs> but it went too quickly. So what have you been doing with all that free time, Mike? Strangely enough, I've been painting. Painting, painting, painting. I've painted like I've never painted before. As in, you painted well? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, that's that's pushing it. Don't go that far. But actually, I finished <laughs> up some projects and started some new ones. I mean, you know, we always got to remember the original motto. We suck at painting, so you don't have to. Um, I also took uh, my first attempt at a quasi-commission as well, which we can talk about more at the end. A quasi, like quasi-moto commission? Or what's a crap as a... Actually, that's not that far off. No, I, I just agreed uh, to do a commission with uh, Crimson Field Games. They wanted two centerpieces for a Slanesh army um, in exchange for store credit. Um, and so I'm painting the Sigvald, the Magnificent, and uh, like you said, the Hunchback, the Lord of Gluttony. Uh, it's called the, I don't know what the chariot's called, uh, but I just call it... Uh, the sexy demon wagon because that's it's, oh. it's, you know or the, the the wagon demon wagon of sex um, oh the yeah i was about to say the chariot of love but <laughs> yeah i think you got i think you beat me on the uh the better name there that's all good yep that's pretty cool so i hope you i'm sure you will keep us posted on how that's going so what have you been up to man oh geez well let's see um I actually took a break, <laughs> so I hadn't touched any of my paints since before our last show, which is all right. Uh, I've been reading a couple comic books, which is something that I enjoy when I'm not trying to paint. Um, I have a uh, uh, Battleship Yamoto that's sitting on my desk that wants uh, cannons to be put on it. And I think we talked about me losing that one little piece. So I'm still frustrated about this little teeny weeny piece that I missed that kind of distracts from the entire ship. So I will, um, um, I don't know. I'll continue it at some point. Uh, I washed the car when it was warm a couple of days ago. And, yeah, we um, got up to 80 at one point. It was crazy. Yeah, I know. I don't know how to contain my enthusiasm with all this warm, but now it's cold again. So. I don't know. Unlike you people out there in Denver, that's like freaking three feet of snow when, when you're not supposed to get it this time of year. But hey, better you than me. Yeah, our friend Michael Proctor was posting pictures of it. He lives out in uh, Colorado. He's posting that pictures of that, that amount of snow. It's kind of crazy. And just a small plug, he'll be on the show again in the next couple of weeks. What? And guess what? Dan's on the interview too. It's crazy. It's mayhem. You know, it's something that we don't normally do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, yeah my once a year interview. So, well, you got Ooh. that out of the way early, man. It's yeah, I had to get got to get done, and I had so much fun. It was like I did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no uh, throwing Mike under the bus. There was it. No mics to throw under the bus. So today. We're supposed to be focused on another genre episode, and this time it's my one of my absolute favorite, which is Irish folklore. Well, Mike, uh, well, this is your heritage, so why don't you just go ahead and get us started? Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Now, when 
people say the, the words Irish folklore, probably the first thing that comes to their mind are leprechauns and fairies. Um, those are all out there in Irish folklore and such. But other key characters that pop into a lot of other, other people's minds, too, is, of course, one of our favorite artists, Banshees, are very much an Irish thing. Um, one of the coolest things that I found out, though, when doing even more research into it was, Dan, did you know that The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is either based on or awfully similar to that of the Dúlahan, uh, which is also a type of headless horseman in Irish literature. No, you're going to have to fill me in on that one then. Uh, well, honestly, there's not a lot of... of uh, difference, you know, the guy was first written about in Irish history, riding on a black horse. Um, he used a human spine as a whip, which I thought for people in our line of hobby, that's right up the alley, you know, using a spine whip. Um, and he carried the head under his arm and, you know, but uh, some of the differences were kind of, he had, like, I think Irish described his skin as moldy cheese. Um, and it said when the Doolahan stops riding, that's where the unfortunate soul is going to die. And when he calls their name, they fall down dead on the spot. So you certainly want to definitely have a, a, an on, a different online username that you could uh, not get caught with. <laughs> so the Doolahan, man, that's such a cool, that's such an Irish name as well. Like, uh, oh, no, what's coming after us? It's the Doolahan, you know? <laughs> Wow, you even do the accent. Yeah. Oh man, I grew up with it, man. I had a, a you know, my grandfather was uh, was Irish, and he uh, lived with us. And after uh, about midway through the day, once he finished his first twelve pack, um, he he couldn't understand a damn thing he said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, way to unpack your family baggage on the air, Mike. Uh, anyways. All right. Yeah. So, so we, we, we talked about a fairy and we talked about a leprechaun and then this, uh, this doula hand dude. And, uh, so what else, what other kind of things you had to throw at us? Um, well, actually one of the things I wanted to talk about is something people, most people don't know about Irish folklore. And, um, that is that it's broken up in a kind of four, not kind of, it's broken up into four different cycles, the mythological, the Fenian, the Ulster, and the historical cycle. Now, they're all a, a little bit different and cover kind of different time periods. Like the mythological cycle um, is made up mostly of stories about former gods and kind of the beginning of Ireland and the Irish. And probably one story that some people who are a little more familiar with Irish mythology would hear about is called the Children of Lear. And it's a story about a stepmother's jealousy over her four children that she turned into swans. And the uh, it turned into swans and it kind of, you know, it has that total Irish feel of the way it plays out. Um, though, so that kind of comes from that time period. And it's kind of, a, you know, one of those sad stories of jealousy and things along those lines. And ultimately about uh, a father's love for his children. Um, but the mythological cycle is the one that they have like the least preserved information on. Um there are a couple of books out there. Uh, I think one of them is called The Book of Invasions, or and then there's the Metrical uh, Din Shananas, uh book. But those are that's all really technical details. But anyways, the, the point is four different cycles. The first one mythological. The second one is Fenian, and it's also referred to as the Fin Cycle or Fenian Tales, and it's based around kind of Irish mythological hero. Hero, excuse me, 
uh, Finn and Mac Kumhale and his warriors. Um, these different warriors who perform deeds and such throughout uh, Ireland, etc. Whether or not they were real or not, um, one of I guess the most famous story is the the, the salmon of wisdom. Um, that's part of the cycle. This is when uh, Fionn is admitted to the high court of the high kings at Terra. After passing three tests, uh, he becomes the leader of, of, of a clan. Um, then he go went on to be the leader of the Finian. I always mess up this one. Iron after killing a goblin by the name of Aileen Mac Migna. Um, so on and so forth. That's a little bit too much, but basically he used a magic sphere and it left him immune to uh, to uh, different spells and music and was able to kill a goblin, which the reason I brought that up is because the word goblin was in there. And so it's kind of a universal goblin is a universal demon. And even in Irish folklore, there are many different descriptions of, of goblins. So um, later when we talk for a couple minutes about the actual miniatures, uh, there may not be specifically like an Irish goblin miniature, but you certainly in an Irish campaign could adapt a kobold or something else if you were playing D&D or such. The Ulster Cycle is about um, uh, legends and heroes of, uh, of Iliad, which is the eastern Ulster and northern Lannister provinces of Ireland. Uh, they are written in different manuscripts from the medieval period, but some stories date back uh, to the early Christians in in Ireland, and the most important story is that of the Cattle Raid of Cooley. Um, the story tells a war against uh, Ulster by the Queen uh, Connacht Mebdmeb and her, uh, her husband. They set out to steal a stud bull by the name of Don Cullinage. I mean, so I, part of the reason why I'm going into some of these cycles is that um, there's some interesting stories. Like, some things may not be. Like, the concept of vampire we've talked about a little bit, but never done a show on, is across cultures there's a vampire like folklore <clears throat> excuse me and so some of these things and even an irish folklore kind of go across and then there's a historical cycle finally which is kind of the medieval period in ireland uh, where a lot of bards and poets would record the history of the family or king they served and they did these poems of mixed mythological and history resulting in stories that make up the cycle um and so there's a, that's kind of the the spoken word part of the Irish cycles of mythology. Now, all throughout all four cycles, you have things like fairies and leprechauns and such, which is kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. So let me ask you this question. Are leprechauns evil, Dan? Only if you find their gold. Aha, right. So leprechauns really, uh, and this is kind of true with a lot of Irish folklore. This is also true in fairies as well. Most of the time, their characters are kind of neutral. There are some good, there are some evil, but most of the time they're kind of neutral. Leprechauns are only bad if you steal their gold. Then they try to come get it from you, and the person who has the gold, it's destined for bad things. Which is interesting because they know it, and they still try to steal the gold, and bad things happen to them. So, kind of the, the hubris of man that they would be able to continue stealing the gold... Even uh, even though they know bad things happen. What is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result, right? The same thing is true with fairies. There's a lot of different um, fairy folklore out there. And I don't want, want to do too much on it because I can't... The, the, this, the pronunciations of the words are going to be horrendous to listen to 
on a podcast. So let's just say some of the myths are basically leaving different types of things out on your windowsill, part of your crops of things along those lines. And those, the fairies will bless you. If you don't like, you make bread the day, you leave bread out on the windowsill for a fairy to have. And then they, they bless your wheat crop or the health of your family. But if you don't share your wealth with the fairies, then of course there's a risk of all kinds of, of damage that they could do to you and your family, death, sickness, wreck your crops, destroy your home, a house of fire, etc. That's uh, throughout Irish folklore is that kind of neutral lesson about share your wealth. And, you know, what I'm saying it's kind of that moral lesson of like, share it, don't all of your wealth and your your success to yourself but that's those are kind of the main thing i don't want to do uh, go crazy on it because we could like people write dissertations on not only each cycle but each aspect of every care like there are dissertations written on leprechauns you know a hundred uh, three four hundred page books written on the history of leprechauns and things along those lines so there, there are some other really cool stories out there um, from Irish folklore that I feel are very important to touch on. One of which is, uh, people may not know this is an Irish story or know the name of it, but most people have heard some version of this type of a story, which is Finn McCool. Um, he was the son of the leader of a place called Fianna, and he famously and accidentally gained all the knowledge in the world. There was a magical salmon in the River Boyne that was said to hold all the knowledge and um, Finn was supposed to cook it uh, for the chief poet. I guess his name is, if I remember correctly, Finnegus. And Finnegus burned his finger while cooking and instinctively put it in his mouth to cool the burn. A small piece of that burned salmon entered his mouth and a light flashed. And Finn instantly knew all about the past, present, and could tell the future. So there are different, you know, in multiple different cultures, there's lots of different... Um, information or different different stories about like kind of gaining the knowledge of the world and the damage and the risk uh, of knowledge even back to greek mythology you could argue that that is what pandora's box is uh the letting loose all the things uh the evils of the world with all the knowledge of the world at the same time and just so people know that i am getting uh, some of my information from irish central so another one thing that everybody sees throughout irish history and lore and everything is the shamrock and it has become the symbol of Ireland. There are so many different meanings and purposes of shamrocks, even from Druids who uh, believed that they were in and of themselves sacred and kept evil away and used to ward off different spirits. The Celts were very big on the number three, and therefore the shamrocks had a unique value to them because they're three heart-shaped believed. And it's also believed that at some point St. Patrick, Patrick used shamrocks in order to explain religious concepts such as the holy trinity um but they're just you know they ultimately too it's a they're beautiful plants they're a lot of fun um you know they, they make great shakes they make fantastic shakes you know a little mint on and a little minty background on it uh for sure which you know i wonder if they use real shamrocks what do you think no, i think no. they use leprechauns no so I got to tell my my middle child that those are not vegetarian, um, or the salmon of wisdom. <laughs> you're not getting the salmon of wisdom at McDonald's, Dan. That's called a cholesterol. It's the filet fish. <laughs> the filet of fish, right? <laughs> All right. I wonder so, if Mr. Coors 
<laughs> Wonder if McDonald's was uh, Ronald was a uh, was Irish man. Oh, he's well, got that bright red hair. <laughs> well, what's his name? Uh, Ray uh, Ray <laughs> Ray uh, when it co- cook Ray or co- Coke? Co- no, not Coke. Coke. Are you sure? I think he was a Coke. Maybe he was a Coke, but you know. I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there would tell us where we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong, please. Listening to paintrygmail.com. Who started McDonald's? Right. Well, it's Ray something. Um, yeah. So, but you know what, Tana? The one I, I have. Croc. He made Crocs also, the shoes. So he made McDonald's and he had the Irish clown, the filet of fish of wisdom, uh, the shamrock shake, and then Crocs. Don't forget about shoes named after him. Don't don't forget about the important, most important inve- invention. I don't, I don't know the McRib. Oh, okay. Huh. Let's see. Oh, yeah. We're gonna tie that to St. Patrick because we're gonna go to Adam and Eve, where he used the rib. No, no. That's... And then and then we're gonna eat the rib. we're gonna eat the rib with the McRib. No, 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 no. no. As we, there's no as... bone in it, so you're gonna just take the meat off of it and shape it like a rib. There we go. All right. Um, you know, it, it really be remiss if I didn't mention St. Patrick himself, considering it's St. Patrick's Day. Um, he was an apostle of Ireland. Uh, many people, uh, he, he accomplished a lot of good things, apparently. But of course, what 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 do you think St. Patrick is believed to be a, his major accomplishment? Very similar I, to the German tale of the Pied Piper. Didn't he like get a bunch of children and chase them around or something? Well, that was that would no. Originally, the Pied Piper got the rats out, and then they didn't pay him, and then he led the children away. So oh, you got to okay. pay the pipe. That's the phrase you got to pay the piper. But this is Saint Patrick is believed to have banished the snakes from Ireland. Um, oh, okay. Nope, sorry, I didn't know that one. Anyways, regardless of that, St. Patrick's Day, it's what, you know, everybody in the world becomes Irish for the day as a justification to get drunk and act stupid, uh, at least to have a, have a good time. And the last one I'm going to touch on, though, is uh, we've had the namesake on our show, uh, Banshee, um, and but they're a little bit different named. They're called Bean City. Um, and they're a supernatural being um, in Irish and Celtic folklore who basically uh, they have a sad or mournful wail that at night that's believed to foretell the death of a member of a family or a person who had heard that spirit. And so um, the Irish were a little ethnocentric in their belief in that that only Banshees only warned families of pure Irish descent um, that something was bad was going to happen. Um, now there are different variations of banshees. Uh, I mean, hell, you can even go to what was that show on HBO, Raised by Wolves, the android cyborg thing that kills everybody is a ban. It's called the Banshee. Um, but there ban- was a show named Banshee. It was about a marshal that went around and like killed drug dealers. I think that there you go. Exactly. You know, t- t- this, that's an Irish folklore as well. Um, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 were ta- they were taking those uh that that uh warning signs way too quickly way too seriously but 
Um, with all that being said, let's talk a little bit about pop culture and where they've kind of appeared. Um, one of the main areas that, of course, the main things that appears is the Leprechaun. Um, and uh, have you ever seen the Leprechaun movies, Dan? Well, yes, I have. Yes, yes, yes. It breaks my heart that they made the actor who plays Willow also be the Leprechaun. I love Willow. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, the other... Hey, you know what? He played a goblin also. That's true. I mean, yeah. In Harry Potter movies. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm sure he did something else. I, I, he, didn't, they, didn't they stick him in CP3O or... R2-D2 That would be R2-D2. No, I don't think he's old enough for that. Oh, I don't know. You got to remember when C3, uh, when R2-D2 came out, we were just kids, you know? Was it 76, yeah. right? I can't yeah. imagine I can't imagine how much older he is than we are. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Heck, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know either. I think it was 77 that Star Wars came out. 77, 76. Okay. Um, I'm losing my nerd card. Um, anyways... The other other major leprechaun that I wanted to talk about that I personally love, and I have very mixed feelings about the way they portray him uh, on television as opposed to a book, is Mad Sweeney from American Gods. Um, I am a huge fan of Neil Gaiman's work, uh, and I particularly love American Gods. I've actually read it a few times, and then uh, my wife likes to be read too, so I read her American Gods as well. Um, and it's a fantastic story that I'm not going to get too deep into what the, what the story is about. But basically, if uh, you could put it as somewhat of an adult version of Percy Jackson with uh, a cross of all mythologies, not just focused on Greek and Roman. Um, and so uh, basically, the story of Matt Sweeney is that uh, he comes to America as uh, traditions in Ireland are starting to die. And he also follows a woman um who was kind to him and so the the people weren't leaving him out bread weren't leaving out bread for him or anything along those lines anymore in ireland so he was starving to death and so he came over to the united states following a woman who had come over as an indentured servant and was very uh very into those irish folklore beliefs um and so there's kind of that 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 backstory and he's also Matt Sweeney is enormous, not even teeny tiny. He is enormous in the in the American God story. Uh, he's a wicked fighter too. So that's a it's an interesting take on that legend. Uh, that would be a cool. I would love that for I uh, Matt Sweeney to become a, somebody do a miniature of him. That would be amazing. Uh, a miniature of a leprechaun isn't that redundant? Ha ha. Um, Another major uh, Irish folklore movie that came out was in the animated world, and that was Brave. Have you ever seen Brave, Dad? Uh, the Disney Brave uh -huh. movie? Yeah. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of people who didn't, but I, I actually enjoyed uh, the movie quite a bit, and they touched on a lot of different uh, folklores. I believe there was witches and all types of different uh, things touched on in the movie, which was just uh, a, a lot of fun. Um, and those are kind of the major, major ones that have been recent. So there are, we could probably list about a hundred movies um, 
that touch on certain aspects of Irish mythology, like the secret of Ronan Inish, um, that that has it in it. Um, Myths of Avalon, arguably. So there, there's a lot of different, even some, you know, anything that has fairies physically in it, you could argue is some touch into Irish folklore. But I, won't, I don't want to bog us down on that stuff. What I want to get to is to talk about what we all love, which are the miniatures. So let me do this. So let's go. I lost the Leprechaun Fantasy Football Team. I forgot who did it. Oh, cross lances. Okay. This is, they're so awesome. I totally need to get some of these guys. <laughs> you haven't seen them, have you, Dan? No. Oh, they're uh, so awesome. What's, what's the name of them again? Uh, look up uh, cross lances. They had a Kickstarter for St. Patrick's Angry Leprechauns. Cross lances, angry leprechauns. Yeah. Just the front page of the Kickstarter is a say. If this, if I would have known about this live, I, oh, that's pretty funny. I man. would have totally been all over this. <laughs> Anyways, so for the game like Blood Bowl or for Guild Ball, uh, you could get a set of um, different leprechauns to be your team. I, I can't imagine how you would ever seriously be able to play that game because you'd be laughing and having too much fun looking at the actual miniatures. Um, those are ama they're amazing sculpts. I'm actually going to look into their late pledge because I think I might, I think it just might need to hook myself They say they're on Patreon, so maybe you can look at, and they're on CGT, uh, CG Trader, so you can probably just order them. I bet this was uh, STLs. So yeah. you can order them and probably print them. I'll print them for you, Mike. Sure. When I'll get them about 2023. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're expecting a lot there. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so another uh, surprise, surprise. Um, another company that has a lot of miniatures that could be used across things in, in um, different areas and have specific leprechaun ones are is Reaper Miniatures. They have banshees. They have goblins. They have fairies. They actually have uh, three or four different leprechauns uh, that are available. I'm not sure. I, I know they had four different leprechauns at one point, but three of them may not be. Uh, I only think three of them are available on their store anymore. Um, the bummer is there was an Irish folklore company uh, that I can't that w came out a few years ago, but they don't exist. They they went out of business called Shamrock Miniatures, and they had some great stuff um uh, on there now there's also another one is called blacksmith miniatures and they have uh some those are definitely if you're if you're a figure painter blacksmith miniatures is the way to go they have some great ones they don't necessarily always call them like a leprechaun or a fairy but they certainly if you looked at them you could certainly paint them besides like you paint them however you want but Painting some of these as leprechauns, painting them as fairies in kind of an Irish sense would be easy to pull off. And those are kind of the major ones that we found. They're not, um, occasionally there's one off. Searching uh, leprechaun miniatures is a little bit tough because 
Um, especially right now, you have all the St. Patrick's Day stuff in the world. And the, probably the number one the thing that comes up are the angry leprechaun uh, blood bowl slash guild ball players. Um, and so uh, understandably why, because those are amazing. <sighs> understandably why, because those are amazing. Um, so kudos to Cross Lances for really kind of giving me a great chuckle with that. I, I really enjoyed looking at all the different variations of the players that they had. Um, some of them look like some of my family members. Um. <laughs> you could also look up uh, fairies if you're looking for figures. Uh, I'd imagine about 90% of them are not safe for work, but they exist <laughs> through through STL's uh, 3D printing, which I think is actually kind of cool because if you do get the S uh, STL's, and one of the problems I think we have is, as um, as uh, miniature artist well especially at my level of talent is painting fairy wings or any type of wings um there are some great examples of what people have been able to do i am not capable of doing any of that but which is kind of cool though if you do have a 3d printer you can print the wings clear and then you can use glazes if you want to or uh contrast paint or whatever you need to keep them just clear and it adds a just a little bit more realism to it i think because uh, they are see-through, you don't have to paint, you know, just paint them all up. So, um, yeah, you have that. And I think that's kind of interesting and and, and uh, neat. Um, but again, they're fairies and there's probably a good chance they don't have any clothes on. You know, Dan, I, I would be, uh, I, I totally forgot about uh, one that I had seen ages ago. Um, there is a limited edition uh, Adara by Adara Mini, uh, 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 Aradia Miniatures. It's a fairy. And the reason why I recognize it is because I follow the guy who painted it, and that's Sergio Calvo. And it's breathtaking. And, you know, honestly, it would be, if you even if you can't get a hold of the miniature, uh, look up, uh, what is it? Let's see. Fairy by A-R-A-D-I-A -A -A Miniatures. And it's something that's just totally inspirational. It's done by, that was painted by Sergio Calvo Rubio. And it's just like, that's just ridiculous. Now, the other the other thing that's interesting though, too. Okay, that's that's one thing to, to talk about. It's like you kind of touched on it, is that um, doing it, if you have the ability to 3D print or are willing to pay somebody to print for you, um, it's not even, I'm like, there's companies like cast and play they have entire fairy type armies um you could even make arguments that things like the games workshop sylvaneth which are kind of the wood elves uh you could paint them certainly with uh, an irish earthy feel a feel to them um so there's so many different variations of it plus that's the other side of it right um irish folklore the word fairy is kind of a uh, I don't want to say a universal thing, but it's not what fairies actually look like. We don't know because they show up in human form uh, of some form of variation, a human form or uh, with wings, etc. And so oh, I don't know that dude took those pictures back in the 1900s. There are a whole <laughs> bunch of fairies there. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> just leave it at I'm not touching that. With the I guess we're going to have to. Uh... I guess we'll, we'll have to put that uh, 
as one of our uh, remarks on the very bottom of this. <laughs> right. <laughs> the stuff, Dan. People start looking up. Uh, yeah, just look up fairy. But no, don't look up any of that. Yeah. Yeah, don't. We'll just look up the guy's name. <laughs> we'll tell you at the end. <laughs> I'm going to leave that to you. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find his name now. Um, there's also, what was it? Brother Brother Vinny's, I want to say, has a fairy. That's pretty cool. But also, it's one of those... Uh, it's probably, is probably a dude that's got a wiener down to his toes or something. No, it is not. It's kind of the 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 fairy types that you're more interested in. Um, I didn't say I was interested in. It's just when I look up, <laughs> when I try to find a very tasteful Tinkerbell um, fairy figure, that just lots of other things come up, and um, I get a little distracted. But that's that's not because I'm looking for him. Fair enough, Dan. Fair enough. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, so anyways, but like I said, um, one of the good places to look for different types of uh, different types of fairies or leprechauns, things along those lines is Etsy. Um, I actually found quite a few that uh, people own rights to different companies. Um, they could print uh, like the one I'm looking at now is Creepy Prince, which is creepy with three E's. Um, and they they have yeah. Stuff. If I'm gonna look up for creepy, I'm gonna look up creepy creepy prints on Etsy. Absolutely, there's uh, they have like a okay. sprite fairy pixie fairy premium 3D printed fantasy tabletop miniature 28 to 100 millimeter. Uh, they even tell you you can use it for Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Dungeons and D and D and D and D. So I'm not sure what the difference between D and D and D and D are, but. Uh, my bet is something might be lost in the translation. Um, anyways, gorgeous looking miniatures, lots of fun. Um, let's see, I'm, I'm interested to see what type of price. Let's see what 54 mil, uh, huh. The 75 millimeter version of it is only $13. That's not bad. Is it already printed and everything or made? Um, that's or is that just an STL? That's pretty inexpensive. It is. Um, I can't tell. I'll have to look it up later. Huh. I don't want to sit here and looking on this. Yeah. Uh, no, it says you'll receive a premium mint tabletop miniature. No shit, really. Post process until it has a perfect finish. The miniature is primed and ready to be painted and out of out of the box. No extra work is necessary. Disagree. Send it to me unprimed. Don't 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 lay any primer on my stuff. Leave your fingers off of it. Um, Keep your fingers off of my fairies. Exactly, sir. Exactly. All right. So we've kind of gone through that. One of the things that we we need to talk about though is, and this is very simple, but it actually is a very enjoyable thing to do, and that's kind of paint in that Irish, in an Irish color palette. Um, and I, and so, you know, since we are, you know, listening to paint dry, we should probably talk about colors. So surprising to everyone, you know, an Irish kind of color palette is going to involve basically earth tones and lots of green and vibrant colors. You know, and, uh, I think it's a lot of, a lot of fun, uh, to paint stuff in that kind of vibrant the full of life lots of green you know green kind of gives you that feeling of spring and renewal um and so it's something you can have a lot of fun with that's kind of different than necessarily the grim dark 
space marines or other type of characters and so the the this type of painting it could be a lot of fun and be a, a huge cl a palette cleanser for you have you ever painted um anything like a fairy or a leprechaun dan hmm i think i did high elves a long time ago but my colors weren't greens that's about as close as i got yeah you know and i have um uh i have a plastic abs 3d print from a company called Baphomet Miniatures from a couple of years ago. It was the first 3D print I've ever bought. I've only bought a couple of them now at this point. And I was actually stunned how good the plastic print was. Um, no striations, nothing. Um, is that what they call them? The level where like you could see the different layers, the levels of printing, is that striations or? Sure. Okay, we're gonna, well, we're gonna go with that because maybe I made that up. Um, that and mold lines. <laughs> they don't have mold lines, man. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. That's the you know, they, it's one of those things. It's like the bonus of the 3D print is you don't have to deal with the mold line, but you do have to deal with support removal and then um, washing off any extra white crap that's left on it. Um, resin. Resin. Yeah, you know, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, but actually, the one I we I, never mind. We'll talk about that at another point. Um, but so it was a beautiful plastic print. It was, and I I am definitely gonna. It's on my list of stuff to get painted soon. But I have a lot going on right now. So basically, earth colors, greens and browns. Um, a lot of like uh, you know, like I I I notice in a lot of Irish folklore art. Um, things like vests and pants are greens and browns and they always were kind of like kind of an off-white cream uh, linen clothing under it maybe like a shirt etc kind of that's kind of universal and kind of a middle a medieval a medieval or earlier time period feel to it um, you know even you could argue um, you could grab some hobbit models and paint them in Irish tones etc um, from Lord of the Rings uh, what you know which by the way I power watched all three of the movies because I had never seen them before uh, a couple weeks ago so yeah really it took done. you that long to watch them um yes okay I mean no I mean that's that's all right I just, that's the best thing I figured I got yeah no, that's cool I figured for most people they would have seen when it came out or when it came out on video I mean they're only like 20 years old or something yeah i know but i didn't <laughs> they came out at a time in my life when i was broke so going okay. to, going no, to the movies i couldn't really afford um and so for... oh geez now you're just laying it on thick dude oh my god dude no when i got out of college and even all the way through like the first house we purchased we were broke <laughs> i mean we were with three kids man we was whew, scraping by you know yeah. You know, I'm just to go to ReaperCon this year. I'm going to have to sell my soul. So, um, which we'll talk about in just a moment here. But, anyways, to kind of wrap up Irish folklore side of it, um, painting wise, yeah, definitely pick an, an earthen palette um, and feel free with Irish stuff to go brighter and fun and vibrant. Um, and make sure they're carrying some ale and there's some shamrocks on the bases, etc. And so it's there. They're, I always enjoy painting stuff. That's got a brighter feel to it. Um, that's not always this kind of, 
You know, sometimes in the world of contrast, you always have to do those extremes between light and dark. But it's always nice to kind of have vibrant colors too. And so you can have a lot of fun with it, with, with the, with an Irish color palette, let's just say. <laughs> so Dan, with all that stuff, with the Irish stuff being done, um, why don't we move on to what's on our desks? And okay. well, I'm going to let you start us out because I've been I'll start. Well, I'll start because it's not a whole lot on my desk right now. So... Let's see. I have my uh, 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 Star Blazers model that's halfway finished, sitting on my desk. Uh, the Yamoto, if I even said that correctly, um, and uh, that's about it. I got some comic books on there, but that doesn't count as hobbying. I'm I'm taking a break. I need to take a mental break. It's just I don't have time to really do a whole lot because of real world stuff is in the way and it's just messing up everything but i try to keep tabs on everything that's going on and yeah i'll get in there pretty soon but really haven't been doing a whole lot that way um just wait until the weather to warm up a little bit and i can start priming everything black and uh put a base on them and be done with them. <laughs> whatever i'm doing that week so um yep unfortunately that's all i have going on right now uh hobby wise so i don't have time to do hobbies because Bill's got to be paid, and the boss wants me to do some more crap. <laughs> oh, man. So hopefully she's not. Hopefully she's not listening. Your, your, I bet your boss doesn't even know you do a podcast, does she? Uh, you know, I said it in a meeting one day. I was like, "Hey, it's a good thing I'm not talking like this on my podcast." And then crickets, and so I just kept talking about crap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. All right. So my desk is actually, this is a kind of a crazy time period for me. That month and a little bit over a month off was really good. It rejuvenated my, my painting spirits. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't have the same impact on you. Um, then a lot, kind of a lot of stuff's happened. Um, I, t I told you at the beginning of the show, I, I agreed to do that Crimson Fields uh, gaming commission. Uh, with that one about, I, I want to say I'm about 60% on Sigvald and I'm still putting that, that demon, demon sex chariot is a lot of pieces and a lot of mold lines and a lot of weird connections. So this taken me a while. I think that, uh, one of the things I'm going to do to help paper Rebercon is take on some commissions, uh, for cash. I'm not going to agree to do commissions for things like that. That that's just taking, I would have to really, uh, they, they, if they had any hope of me painting something like that, it would have to come fully assembled and they would get it back the way that they sent it to me. I would not make any cleanup or effort on it. It is a lot of cleanup. I mean, just just doing the body of the chariot has taken two days to do all the cleanup on it. Um, and I, that still hasn't, I still haven't finished filling in gaps and putting the entirety of the chariot together yet and it comes with five figures in it plus two giant beastie things that are pulling it so it was a, it's a it's a lot more work than i want to put into into doing commissions um so i posted pictures of my sequitur prime which was my first committed attempt to non-metallic metal and my explanation to people is just understand this i have dabbled with non-metallic metals before here and there 
I've always given up before I've completed any part of something that I would consider to be non-metallic metal. And so I've probably done it somewhere between 10 and 20 times, thrown my brush down in frustration and painted something else. Uh, this time I committed beginning to end. It came out okay. I'm pretty happy with the result. Well, I posted pictures of it on Twitter and on Facebook and lo and behold, Games Workshop saw it and uh, they showed it on their Hobby Roundup, which was really cool. A little bit of a bummer. They didn't show the shield, which is the freehand the, the freehand design I did. Um, and it also won a silver medal in the fantasy category, fantasy painters category of the National Capital Model Soldier Society's virtual show this past weekend on March 13th. And so it was a pretty good weekend, a good week. Uh, for that miniature, at least for for and the good thing is that we got Games Workshop to say listening to paint dry on, on their show. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what we say their name all the time. We say their name all the time. It. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's on my on my plate. And then um, uh, this project is almost done. I'm only going to mention it very briefly because it was so much fun. Is that um, in the dollar store? I saw a Jack Jack. Uh, and I said, oh, cute, Jack-Jack. And I looked at it, and it was a horrendous paint job. And I, uh, I'm i going to be honest, while I do love Baby Yoda, to me, Jack-Jack will always be the king. Um, I, I love Jack-Jack from the first Incredibles movie, the Jack-Jack Attacks, and the second Incredibles movie was a lot of fun because he's more featured more in that movie. Um, and he's one of my favorite, favorite superheroes of all time. I think he would have kicked Thanos' butt. Uh, it wouldn't even, he would never had a chance to snap. Thanos would have been annihilated by Jack-Jack. Um, and so I have cleaned him up, removed him from this cheap little plastic oblong-looking surfboard base that they had him on. Um, he has got a new display base. I removed all his mold lines. I couldn't remove the paint, though, man. That, the paint that was... Um, and it was just the head that was painted. The rest of the body was red plastic, um, like the Incredibles uniform. But the the... I don't even want to know uh, what that had to have been like Chinese lead paint or something because I could not for even I tried mineral spirits, I tried rub, uh, 99% rubbing alcohol, I tried paint thinner. It said no, not going anywhere. So basically, I took a sand, uh, fine sandpaper, and just gave Jack Jack a smooth head. <laughs> But otherwise, that's kind of that's what it. Uh, I don't want to go into any other projects because they're uh, we, we, we've been talking enough. Secret, secret. <laughs> yep. No, not secret. No, nothing secret about it. But we've been we've kind. I, I feel like I've been going off. Like this is the episode where Mike won't shut up. Well, I don't really have anything to say, so. It's all right. <laughs> well, that's cool. I guess with with that, uh, you know, with this under our belt. Um, we could probably do the outro now. I mean, do you have anything else you want to add or is anything mm. you're looking forward to? Oh, you uh, know, we, I'm did looking... get, we did get word uh, recently. Uh, the other day, the word came out that the Nova Open 2021 is officially canceled. Yeah, but they will be coming up with something virtually, hopefully. Uh, more, more to come on that because we'd hate to, um, to lose that. It's a pretty cool place. It's a good time. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, because it's really our only real local thing for us to do. Um, so that really kind of sucks. But thanks, COVID. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, 
with that uh, downer of a way to end the show. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's what I'm here for. I'm Debbie Downer. Um, all right. So why don't you start us off on our outro, Dan? <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listening to Paint Dry or Twitter at, at Dry Painting. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which apparently is which is appropriately titled Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. Please like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcast. And if you could leave us a review, that would be pretty awesome. Drop us a line at listening to paint dry at gmail.com. Let us know how you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day and what you're working on. Personally, St. Patrick's Day is my youngest child's birthday. And so like all good Irish families, we're going to Tepanaki. Um, it's a long story, but <sighs> anyways, family joke. Nobody's going to get it. It's not even really that funny, but we'd love to see what you're working on. Let us know how we're doing on the show. Anything you'd like to see future con uh, content, uh, any artists you want us to try to get on the show or, um, topics of conversation just let us know again that's listening to paint dry at gmail.com you know what dan the beautiful thing is you don't need the luck of the irish to become a better braver happier painter until next time see ya laddies listening to paint dry with mike and dan is a production of ltptwmd all rights reserved no portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host the music is death by a thousand questions by springtide Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.